Good afternoon and welcome to Steve Wraith's True Crime Podcast, uh, a special edition because uh, I'm delighted to say for a second time, I'm joined by Gemma Fernandez. How are you, Gemma? Well, I am good, thank you. <laughs> Great to see you. And uh, the reason we got you on is because I had a phone call with Charlie Salvador the other day, our good friend, our mutual friend, and he said he'd had a visit. Now, he did, yeah. <laughs> the reason that sounds, um, people be going, well, yeah, prisoners get visits, but... This is his first visit in the best part of two years because of the COVID pandemic. And, uh, you know, without the with the exception of having a, uh, the odd family one on, on Zoom, which again was a new thing to him, this is the first in the flesh visit for him. And it was a big occasion for you as well, because this was your first trip, not only to see Charlie, but your first visit to prison. Yeah, it was my first visit. I literally did not know what to expect at all. And as you say, it was my first visit to see Charlie. His first visit in two years. It was a big, big day, to be honest with you. Um, but um, it went really, really well. It was lovely, lovely to see him completely. So just, just take us through the process. Obviously, I know, but a lot of the viewers won't. If you're going to visit somebody in prison, and somebody obviously like Charlie, who's in a, a unit, a CSU unit, obviously with only a handful of people uh, in the same unit, and he's classified as one of, you know, one of the most dangerous prisoners in the system, never mind that prison, which is ludicrous, as we both know. But yeah. um, what process did you have to go through to get on the visitors list? Well, I mean, that was a massive long process that took nearly six months for me to get on. Like Charlie had to apply, then I had to apply. And then obviously I had to get the police then to come to my house. So, I mean, I had the police officer interview me, do a check on me. I mean, when they came up, they had to see me put my key in my door to, you know, make sure verify that this was actually, you know, where I lived. Um, it was a really intense process and it, it did take a long while. But as you say, you know, Charlie's in a unit, he's in a prison within a prison. So it is, you know, quite, quite high, you know, standards to get to get on that list. And then, um, yeah, and then I finally passed. But we had to wait a really, really long time. I mean, was that quite daunting for you? I mean, you're a law-abiding citizen like myself, <laughs> you know, having the police come to your door. I mean, with the neighbours flicking the curtains. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't wear a uniform. I don't want the neighbours talking. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it was a daunting process, actually, because, you know, I'm just like, come in. You know, what, how do you deal with it? Um, but, yeah, they, they were really nice and stuff. And um, it was it was just, it was what it was. I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It's just how long it took to sort of get on that list. But um, with it being COVID, he wasn't getting visitors anyway. So obviously we had the time to wait. But obviously I can imagine how frustrating it is, you know, to, to wait that long when you're when you're eager to see someone. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Charlie loves a visit. And, um, you know, from his perspective, it's something which he can live without. He's done it. He's he's done time, you know, where he's been in solitary confinement, not seeing the light of day for, for years on end. So, you know, it's not something that's unusual to him. Um, but, you know, I guess having something taken away, like we've all had during uh, the, the pandemic, it is it is a little bit uh, new and a little bit, um, you know, a, a little bit upsetting, I guess, but to, to the routine at least. So you've never been into a prison. Uh, let's mm -hmm. let's let's talk ourselves through that day then. What, you know, were you nervous when you got up that morning thinking that you were going to see him? Do you know what? I was a little bit anxious, mm -hmm. but it wasn't about um, going to see Charlie. It was the whole am I going to get in? Because, you know, even though I rang them numerous occasions, have I got everything? You know, I had to, it's like going to an airport. I had to take my passport. I had to take loads of different, you know, even though I'd been checked. 
also you know they've got really really strict guidelines on what you can wear you know they said no cleavage you can't show your leg you can't have any ricks in your clothes you can't have a hood you know all these different things and then you're just thinking to yourself oh like you know it makes you sort of think oh god you know have I am I wearing everything right and you know I was more anxious about that and I left mega early to make sure I wasn't late because obviously I live in London so it was an hour and a half drive you don't know like what's going to go on with the motorways with all you know everything that's happened <laughs> recently and um I just wanted to get there early and make sure but even when I was waiting I was thinking oh god what happens if I get in and you know they don't let me in you know so I, I did ring them quite a few times. They must have thought I was some sort of mad woman, like, all right, calm down. So, <laughs> but I just wanted to make sure because not just for me, but for Charlie, it was a big deal. He hasn't seen anyone. So he was quite, you know, eager to make sure everything was going to run smoothly because it would have been, you know, massive disappointment if I didn't get let in. So, so yeah, I was quite, when I was, when I was waiting, yeah. <laughs> so, so I take it you must have gone on the train, is that right? Or did you get a car? No, I drove. I drove. Oh, right. Okay. Well, it's yeah. a nice, I mean, it's a nice drive up there. And once you get onto those country roads and you wind yeah. your way into the prison, what was your first feeling when you saw the, the prison on the horizon and the, the signpost? Yeah, that's when I did start to go a bit. Because I was quite, I was calm in, in a lot of senses, but I was a bit like, oh, it was very daunting. Because like I said, you know, when you haven't been to a prison and it's a massive prison, and obviously I got there and I was relieved because I thought, okay, one thing out of the way, you know, that's the big hurdle I've got here two hours early. <laughs> um, but it was like no phones allowed. So I was like, oh, no, I'm two hours early and I'm going to have to sit here just sort of staring into oblivion. I can't touch my phone or or anything like that. So um, but I didn't want to rock the boat, you know, so to speak. And yeah, so that that was that was all right. But then I had to wait. So, yeah. So obviously, get in. You park up, um, and you and you're mm -hmm. taking a walk up to um, you know, to the main, uh, the main building where you know you have to go in and hand your visiting order in, known as a VO for those of you who uh, um, are watching. But you know, what was that part like? I mean, you, you're nervous before you go, hoping you're going to get in. So this is this is it. You know, you've got to hand your bit of paperwork in. What what was all that like? Well, the funniest thing was, is because I was so early, the ladies in the booking office, they were so nice to me. They said, get there an hour early because obviously you haven't been there before. They're going to need to fingerprint you. They're going to have to go through a lot of things with you. So I, me being me, I went up. It was freezing as well. And I sort of opened the door and it was locked. And I did this about, I went back to my car, had to go up again. I did it about four times. And I thought, have I got the right prison? I was thinking to myself, oh my God. When I finally got here, like, I was sort of prepared to have I know it sounds bad but I was prepared to have like a stony sort of reception because a lot of people told me oh you know when you go to some of these prisons they treat you like you're a criminal it's not very you know because I'm quite a light-hearted person they said it's not very jovial Gemma you know they might so I was prepared for the worst in, in respect and um they were really nice to me you know I handed I showed them my COVID was a uh, negative result and then I sort of said to them, am I all right what I'm wearing because I had a spare change of clothes in my boot you know I was that prepared and they said, yeah, you're absolutely fine. You've got tights on. It's all good. And, um, yeah, I sort of sat there waiting. And, yeah, they, they were they were actually really nice to me. So that was a bit more sort of, like, like relaxed for me. But, obviously, um, they fingerprinted me and sort of led me through. And, uh, yeah, that was a massive, massive process. I don't think I've ever been through so many locked doors in my whole entire life. And, obviously, the frisking down and the sniffer dog and yeah a lot of lot of stages I had to go through 
Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, going into prison, I think that's the realisation. I mean, when I was young, uh, obviously I visited the, the Crays and my first taste of prison was to go to Gartree Prison and visit Reggie Cray and that was a Category A prison. So it was very mm. severe. And that was my first recollection of, of walking through so many locked gates, the thickness of the gates, the, you know, the fact that, you know, once they're closed behind you, you're not in control of your own life. You can't just go and walk yeah. over there or walk over there. You're, you're in prison and, and you're limited to your, to your movement. So, yeah, I, c- I can fully understand how you would have felt. I mean, that process of going through the, the metal detection as well, I mean, you know, it, it is quite quite a quick routine. You can see people who in, in there who've been through this on numerous occasions, old old hats who've probably been visiting people for, for years behind bars. Um, but for you, again, it's, it's just quite an experience. I guess it's a little bit like the airport, isn't it? it doesn't, and, yeah. and all prisons are the same. But it is a little bit like you still feel as if you're going on this holiday. You, you know, you're emptying your pockets out into the tray that goes through the metal detector. And then you're getting frisked, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, it was funny because Charlie was saying that because I think he was quite aware that I haven't been to a prison. And he was trying to, not that I was panicking to him, but in the morning he was like, just remember, Jem, it's like being at an airport. But at the end of it, there's not going to be a plane. I'm going to be there. <laughs> sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, that's great. But yeah. Um, but no, and also because Charlie is in a different unit, I was separated from everyone else. So I walked through with everyone else. And then I had um, someone come and escort me to another building, which was quite far um, from, from the rest of it. So I had to walk outside, you know, with all the, the building, like windows overlooking me and, you know, the, the escorts and, and yeah, and then sort of went through to the last building. So it was a massive build up to it, you know, it was, um, but I think I sort of psyched myself up to it. So it wasn't as bad as I thought at all. And like I said, people, they were really pleasant to me. I think um, they know and, and like Charlie. So and they, they were expecting me. So, yeah. And I think he sort of gave them a heads up that it was my first time as well. So, yeah. Did you have a touch of nerves when the sniffer dog comes along? I think that's the one thing. I mean, you know, you go to the prison, you know you're clean, you know you haven't got anything on you, um, you know, and you go through that metal detector thing and you think you get frisked and you open your mouth, close your mouth, you lift your both your feet up and you're like, yeah, great. Then you walk through the next door and there's these... <laughs> There's basically four points where you have to uh, you have to stand and three others have to stand. And then the prison officer with the dog gives it a pat on the head, um, you know, and then it walks down. And um, I've got to be honest, even though I know I'm clean and I've got no drugs on me, that is still the most nerve wracking moment going to see Charlie for me or visiting any prison. And there's always... See, see, I've never seen how these dogs are trained. I've seen programs about it, but I don't think they give everything away. And and nine times out of ten, that dog always seems to, like, just give us a little sniff or whatever. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, has somebody planted something on us? Do I stink of this? You know, it's weird. Were you like that? It is true. I mean, like, same as you. Like, I have absolutely nothing to worry about. But you do think to yourself... Well, what happens if I was walking down the street and someone else was, I don't know, doing whatever, and it, then the smells on me, and, and you just you get sort of paranoid thoughts, like, oh my god, you know, like you say, has someone planted something on me? And it is ridiculous, but yeah, you do sort of put yourself in scenarios because you, yeah, it does make you think, like, oh god, like a bit sort of paranoid, I guess, yeah. I went on but, a visit to, to John Sears uh, once in a maximum security prison with a with a, a good friend of ours, a, a female pr- uh, woman who I, I won't mention to, to save embarrassment, but she'd actually put on a um, uh, one of these 
or taking one of these um, substances which calms you down because what? she actually suffers from um, confined spaces. She has oh. she has attacks. So what she was taking was some kind of calming spray, which she sprays on herself. And I mean, I'd never heard of this, but she sprayed herself with that before she went into prison. And when we lined up and did that dog uh, search thing, she was pulled to one side. And basically, the stuff that she'd used had traces of cannabis in. It must have been cannabis oil or something like that. And she was horrified. So she was actually searched, strip searched. Um, Obviously, they found nothing on her. Uh, But because that had all happened, we ended up having to go into a closed visit. And a closed visit, for those of you who don't know, is one which um, essentially is behind Perfect behind glass, behind perspex, whatever. Um, and we were on one one side, and John was on the other side, and it was John's birthday of all days oh, yeah. to go in and for that to happen. Luckily, John saw the funny side, but um, yeah, it was it was a bizarre situation, and uh, she was mortified. Um, but we still had the visit. At least the visit didn't get called off. There was no, you know, there was nobody trying to smuggle drugs in. It's just an unfortunate, an, an unfortunate situation, and um, you know, these yeah. things happen. And I've also. I've also seen people when I've been taken away um, and, you know, for whatever reason, they've, they, you know, they, they've been trying to smuggle something in. So I've seen both sides of it, uh, 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 you know, something that's no fault of somebody's own and, you know, somebody being taken away for drugs. So, um, yeah, it's quite daunting. But as you as you mentioned earlier, um, after that, because you are going to see Charlie, you are treated completely differently. And. I'm not sure because obviously COVID may have changed it, but did you get a chance to, once you went through that process, were you walked across the yard? So on the left-hand side, you can see the main block of prison and yeah. the, the, the recreation area, the yard, if you like, and you're walking then straight ahead to where the containers are. Is that, that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I sort of went through, as you say, there was like the main building, loads of windows and stuff. Uh, I couldn't see in anywhere, but obviously people can see out and and the yards. Yeah, there was the yards, but there was no there, no one out there. I don't think, but it's quite a long way to walk, isn't it? And um, mm. sort of as I reached the building where Charlie was, there was I just heard like loads of hip hop music, and I was just like, oh, people playing their music, sort of thing. And and uh, as we got there, I I didn't expect to see because obviously I walked around loads of corridors, but and I didn't expect to see Charlie so soon. But yeah. So um, it was, it was, it was good. In fact, you know, like when I got led round, leading the corridor to Charlie, it was a door uh, with like a long pane of glass. Um, so I saw him, and, I, and if anything, I was relieved to see him. You know, like most people, well, some people would be nervous, you know, when they meet Charlie. But I was like, oh, thank God for that, you know, because I've just gone through around all that, and that was the, the main thing that I was worried about, you know. So I just, I was relieved when I saw him, and he was standing in the window like <laughs> moustache and glasses up like eagerly waiting like you know so it was it was really good <laughs> yeah I think as well like you know when you go to meet someone in the unit the, the thing is that although you've gone through all of that severe security check it surprised me the very first time I went to see uh, Charlie that we had to go through that process again because once you get into that area where you're actually going to to visit them, there's another door that you have to go through. And the prison officer then has to, to search you again and frisk you again. And I, I always find that rather strange that they do that because, you know, there's no way in the world you could have got anything from, you know, the first search to the second search. But, I, you know, I presume that must have happened to you again. 
No, I didn't. They didn't frisk me again. Um, ah, right. They did. No, they didn't. Yeah, I just. Uh, I had one guy walk me through. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't freeze me. I was like, I wonder if that's because of the yeah. canteen. Then, because the the next thing I'm going to oh. talk about is the canteen. Now, obviously, what we tend to do is we we in in the past we walk through the main visiting area of the prison, yeah. and that is where you get your canteen. So when you go through that door after you've been searched, you go into the main the main visiting area where all the other prisoners who aren't on the unit get their visit. And you would normally turn right and you would go to the canteen. And at the canteen, you would buy Charlie's chocolate, his crisps, his drink, whatever. And then you carry it on the tray and you go through that door where you went to, to, to then go into the, the unit. And maybe that's because they might feel that there's a, a potential risk of a, maybe somebody rogue in there giving you something. So maybe that's why you get searched again. I never really thought of that. But yeah, the canteen, bit of a bummer that, isn't it? Because of COVID, no canteen. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's gutted about that. I think that's, you know, obviously he loves seeing everyone, but getting canteen is like an absolute Brucey bonus for him, isn't it? And like, yeah, he speaks fondly about the Magnum ice creams people used to bring in <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, so it was shut. So unfortunately, um, they're really, really strict at the moment. You know, you're not meant to have cups of tea or coffee or anything like that. Um, we managed to get a cup of tea and um, a cheeky mince pie. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like the canteen is shut. So maybe that is the reason that, that you don't get frisked going in. So yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't happen. So you time. get into that, you get into the unit, you, you don't get searched again, you see Charlie through the door, you're relieved mm -hmm. at that. The door opens. Um, what was what was it like seeing him in the flesh for the first time? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, there was such energy in the room because obviously he was really, really excited. Um, and so was I, you know, it's a big build-up to it. Um, I would have actually gone to see him sooner, but I because I was um, I went on holiday I had to isolate for 10 days so that's why we had to wait a little bit longer and yeah so the door opens he's up at the window and I just sort of it's all a bit of a blur but I just gave him a massive hug straight away because you know it was like he hasn't had a hug in two years you know what I mean so it was it was really really nice you know it was it was a good moment so we had a massive hug and then um yeah it was all sort of like it was quite disorientating because as you know you know there's a lot of screws in the room um and that's the bit that was a bit like oh you know trying to get used to people sitting in the room when you're having a conversation um so yeah so I gave him a massive hug and he had a table like a low table and a two chairs set out and on the table he had the flask of hot water couple of tea bags and the, the mince pies that he'd saved from his canteen that he brought down um, for us to share, <laughs> which was quite nice. So, yeah, so he was all excited. He's like, sit down. He took my jacket off, um, you know, he's a gentleman and stuff. And and there was a, um, another screw in there who had a camera because luckily, well, Charlie applied to get photos, which was another thing. And um, so this guy was waiting to take photos of, of us but I said oh do you mind if I have just five minutes to sit down you know because after going through all of that just to stand up and have a photo it was just so much so they let me sort of sit down for five minutes and then just sort of acclimatize I guess <laughs> but um yeah it was amazing seeing him it was just it was really surreal you know because obviously we've had video calls and we talk all the time but to see someone in person is 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 surreal really so yeah he mentioned to me on the phone that he had to move the chair. He, there was a, there was a huh? social distancing aspect to this. 
Yeah, he um, basically, I didn't notice until after the visit, he rung me straight away and was like, did you notice the chair? And I said, no, that's the last thing I noticed, you know, there's cameras and, and everything. And then apparently the chair was six feet away and it was like a, a hard chair because as you like, the, the chairs are like foamy and you know, like the square low chairs, you know the chairs anyway, they're quite comfortable seats. Apparently he was going to have to sit on a normal chair um, six feet away and apparently he, he walked in the room before I got there and he said, no way, I'm not having that. And he dragged the chair from across the room. But he wasn't meant to do that. But as like this, the chairs are screwed to the floor, aren't they? So you're sort of trying to shuffle your chair forward and you're like, oh, like, it's a bit heavy, isn't it? But they're, they're screwed to the floor. So Charlie, I didn't know, but he actually got a different seat and he dragged it close to my seat. So, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was quite a comfortable, cosy setting. But yeah. <laughs> You spent a lot of time speaking to him. You've had you've had the visits on on screen online, which which is completely different. Um, I mean, I, I guess you know he, he was just so pleased to have that visit. But unfortunately, it, it seems as if COVID is is now once again going to restrict people from going to see him. Well, it was it was we were saying this after. It's like it was fate or something. That day, literally, as you know, they've they've upped the restrictions, haven't they? Um, and it was to start on a Tuesday, which is completely random because things usually start on a Monday, don't they? But um, yeah, our visit was the day before the restrictions started. So had it been a day later, me and Charlie would have had to walk. The visits are behind as you say the perspex closed visits now so that was his last opportunity to have an open visit for the foreseeable future but the thing is with charlie is um he refuses to have closed visits because he he said that he doesn't want to you know sit opposite his loved ones you know family friends and not be able to hug them and it would just make him feel even worse i think so we were really lucky to get that visit and it, it is a shame because obviously there's a lot of you that want to visit him and he wants to see but who knows what's going to happen yeah fingers crossed uh you know things start to calm down again and we can get in to see him but um you know we'll always support him that is for sure uh, lots of people always send messages to the channel um asking how he is what is he up to when is his parole um you know you know what is the situation with his parole at the moment Gemma? So in January, they're going to uh, going to review it. Um, we're hoping there's not an exact date yet, but it looks likely that's going to happen before March. So next year, you know, it is going to happen. Obviously, as you know, there's been a long wait because of COVID and, and stuff like that, which is a pain. But um, things are looking pretty positive. They're, they're gearing up to, to do his parole. So early next year, fingers crossed, it's going to happen. How's the website going? Give the give the website a name check. Yeah, it's freecharlieofficial.com. Um, we've got that on Instagram and also on Facebook. And yeah, it's been going really well. Um, we've you know been overwhelmed by the support, the messages, um, the way people are like engaging and interacting is really, really good because um on the website there's a contact form that people can send emails. Now those emails do come through to me, but Every day I read the emails out to Charlie and um, it really does boost his morale. Like it makes a massive difference to know that, you know, he's not forgotten about and people are behind him. Um, so it's been really, really good. And um, we've been looking at where people have been, mess you know, logging on from. And, you know, it goes as far as Australia, America, Italy. So he's got a lot of supporters um, and obviously he's, latest updates are all going through there because as you know there were a lot of fake websites fake people pretending to be him pretending to 
well just give fake news so this is sort of centralized it so it's, it's been really good yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It, it, he knows he's got the support and, um, you know, from his perspective, his mind will be set on the, the parole here in which you say hopefully could be, you know, March next year. Is he working on anything else? I mean, he loves to draw, he loves to, to, to do books. Has he got any things in the pipeline, anything exciting that supporters uh, can look forward to? I think Charlie's always got a lot in the in the pipeline, to be honest with you. Um, I... I, I there's quite a few bits but there's nothing specifically i can say i All think he's I doing know a calendar with richard isn't he oh yeah yeah the calendar the calendar yeah the calendar's coming out soon actually yeah we're just finalizing that we've got amazing bits of artwork that people haven't seen to put onto that and um he's requested that i put in um boxing well he's given me 12 boxes birthdays and um, 12 gangsters' birthdays to include in there. So instead of your original sort of, you know, landmark events, you'll be you'll be seeing a lot of famous people, boxers' birthdays and stuff. So, yeah, so we're finalising that, and then we're going to put that on the site. So we'll let people know as soon as it's out, and they can buy it, hopefully, for Christmas presents. Um, and so, yeah, so that's coming out. And when, when I actually met up with Charlie, he was... All he was talking about was his plans for his art. You know, when he gets out, his eyes completely light up. He's got so many plans because obviously, as you know, he's got limited supplies within prison to do his art. So when he gets out, it's literally like his dream to go to an art shop and try out spray paints, different paints, oil painting. You know, the list is endless. So that's that's really what's keeping him going. As you know, born again artist. Yeah, fantastic. Great stuff. And uh, if anybody wants to, to write to Charlie, uh, he does love a letter and he does reply. Uh, Charles Salvador, 880768G. That's his prison number. Uh, brackets, CSC unit, brackets, HMP Woodhill, Tattenhall Street, Milton Keynes. And that's MK4. 4DA. Do drop him a line. He does like a letter, and as I say, uh, he does tend to respond to everybody. And uh, if you're lucky, you might get a little canteen slip, or you might get uh, a little scribble. Um, mm -hmm. He can't send artwork out, unfortunately, because uh, he can only send it out to registered charities. So uh, drop him a line, uh, or maybe a Christmas card. It is the uh, the season to be jolly now. I'm back at five o'clock tonight with a, a special edition of Steve Wraith's True Crime Interviews. Before I jump into the uh, the football at six, I'm um, interviewing a few well-known faces from other podcasts, putting names to faces to talk about a few current events. So if you uh, are into the other True Crime podcasts, True Media, Karma Corner, Bad Blood Podcast, might as well jump on that. It should be quite an interesting debate tonight. Uh, Gemma. As always, absolute pleasure to, uh, to speak to you. And it's been great to hear the, the, the story about the visit. I'm so pleased that it worked out for you. And you finally met Charlie Salvador. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. Have a great Christmas, Gemma. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.